Good morning, everyone. So we're actually going to have the kids come sit with us up here. You can just sit, yeah, right down here. So last week, we learned that God's people were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a savior. Then some prophets came and told them about God's promise to send a baby that would be born in Bethlehem. Have you guys heard about that before? Okay. Okay, so we're all going to say this together, so you have to repeat after me. God's people waited for the promise to come true. God's people waited for the promise to come true. Finally, it was time for the promise to come true. God was ready to send the baby Savior into the world, but he wanted to make sure the baby was going to have the right mother. He chose Mary. And then God sent the angel... Do you remember the angel's name? Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a young woman pledged to marry to a man, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. And the young woman's name was That's right, Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him? That's right. And he will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And that's from Luke. Mary was supposed to get married to Joseph, but when he found out she was going to have a baby, he decided he didn't want her to marry her anymore. So God sent another angel to Joseph. Mm -hmm. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And that's from Matthew. The angel had to tell both Mary and Joseph not to be afraid. God figured out who was going to be the mother and father of the Savior, but they still had to get to Bethlehem. So he gave the king an idea to count all his people. Everyone had to go to the town where they were born to be counted. Joseph and Mary had to take a journey all the way to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph was born. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for the for them in the inn. Can you imagine sleeping in a barn with all the animals? No? Okay, so I want you guys to repeat after me. God's promise came true through Jesus. God's promise came through Thanks, everyone, for coming. You can go to Kitzel now. Great job. Okay. Okay, so for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Josh. I, uh, I serve on the board here, and it's not my usual role to be up here, so it's not really my favorite thing to do, but it's good for me. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm happy to share with you all today. I'm um, just gonna... Oh, okay, there we go. Making sure that works. So this week I thought I would touch base on the theme uh, of our Advent reading that we just heard this morning, and it promises. Um, when you think of a Christmas story, it's full of many promises uh, that God has for us. And if you're like anything like I am, we, we read through them without really stopping and thinking of them. Um, it's a promise of peace, right? Peace on earth. Um, eventually that's going to come. And I believe in the fulfillment of that. There's a promise that God's come near and to not be afraid. Uh, over and over in the Christmas story, Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel, uh, comes with messages from God saying, do not be afraid. If you were here last week in our Advent reading, uh, the beginning of the service there, we heard about how God's people were waiting and waiting uh, for a savior. And the prophets came and told them about God's promise to send a baby that would be born in Bethlehem. And this week, we heard in our reading this morning that uh, God sent angels to Mary and Joseph telling them about the baby that Mary was going to have, a baby named Jesus. You might say, what do these promises mean for us? What do these promises mean for me? Um, I believe our task as Christians, as followers, is to believe these things. I uh, believe that these things are true, they're going to come true. And there's a line in the Christmas story in, uh, in Luke 137, where Gabriel appears and says, For no word from God will ever fail. All these things that God promises are going to happen. None of this is going to fall through the cracks. None of this is going to uh, just disappear on us here. Our job 
as believers is to believe and hold on to these promises that God has made. There's one promise I do want to spend a little bit of time on today. I think it's timely in, in, in our world today. And uh, it's the promise of joy. And Christmas is a time that we want to share joy. Joy to all people. We look at Luke 2.10. Angel says to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. We just heard a song, Joy to the World, as well. People all over the world, people all throughout history, good news and great joys for everyone. I think it's so important, and we want to tap into this in our families, our community, and our world. Especially in this day and age, I, I, we're seeing record levels of mental health issues, issues and depression, anxiety, our workplaces. People are very short with one another and angry with one another. And every time we turn on the TV or look at the news, we see a lot of polarization over political issues or health issues or take your pick. There's a, a tremendous amount of despair and anger in our world. And how, in, how important is it that we take this opportunity to share the great joy, the good news with our world? So how is this joy possible? Well, we know that as it says later on in Luke 2.11, says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has come. And because we get that, we're able to share. We, 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 we receive joy. We get salvation. Salvation has come. I think Christmas celebrates what God gave us at the end of the day, what we needed most, a Savior. I think back to when I first started becoming involved in, in church. I, I, did, I didn't come from a Christian home. Um, I was a teenager, and I decided, you know, I'll just go hang out with my friends uh, at their youth group, the youth group they're going to. And I would say it probably took me about two years to accept this gift. So it wasn't a, uh, a decision I took lightly. And I think it's true for many in this day and age, you know, the concept of accepting a savior would be kind of a hard gift to accept. As people were often taught to be independent, or self-reliant, I, I'm in control, I'm in charge, I got, I got it. And, uh, you know, kind of accepting a savior to come help us kind of goes against that. There's a real humbleness that happens when someone accepts a savior. And accepting Jesus as a savior was something that I really had to humble myself. I'm trying to think of uh, some gifts that would be hard to accept. So if someone gives you a book on how to cook, eh? or or a book on how to lose weight. You know, I thought I was looking good, you know. 
you know, uh, you know a gift of wrinkle cream. Like I thought I was pretty youthful. You know? Um, you know, you kind of got to humble yourself, be like, uh, thank you, you know, and accept that gift. And uh, I think back to my own journey, like the decision to accept a Savior is not one I took lightly. Uh, as I reflect on it, uh, it requires a sense of letting go. Um, that I wasn't in control, really. And uh, I'm giving into something bigger than myself. And I think the gift of accepting a Savior is, uh, you know, you really have to humble yourself into accepting that. The message behind needing salvation and needing a Savior says that you're not good enough on your own. You can't do it on your own. We would never be good enough to earn God's favor on our own. And if we look out in the human race and everyone, not one of us are good enough on our own. So the good news of Christmas is that God has another way. Another plan that now you can be in relationship with him, you can be in good standing with him. It's not based on your perfection or imperfection. It's not based on your righteousness or unrighteousness or, or what we do, don't do, give, not give, that kind of thing. And God is giving us another way means that we have a Savior to help us. So our society, we, we kind of generalize those things and, oh, you have faith, believe what you want, uh, be good and all. And every other religion out there seems to have a concept, you know, there's a good God in heaven. So shape up, be good, so you can be, be with him someday. And I think Christianity is the opposite of that. Like God has come, and he sees that this is a dead-end road for all of us. He comes along and says, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to blow up this narrative, and I'm going to do this differently. It's not going to be about our works. It's going to be about God's grace. And Jesus recognized the confusion that people of the day were going to have with this. And he shares in, uh, in Matthew chapter 20, that captures this very well. And I'm, I'm just going to summarize it. So there was a farmer who, who couldn't work his vineyard all on his own. And he so he's hiring a series of laborers throughout the day. He had some keeners that, you know, were ready to go first thing at the crack of dawn. And then he hired some and kind of came around first coffee break. And then some came around lunchtime. Some came at afternoon coffee. And there's just a couple that came as the sun was about to go down, you know, just to, you know, put in maybe an hour before the day's done. It goes against everything. Uh, and so, sorry, everyone was happy with this agreement until it was time to get paid. And so it turns out the keeners got the same pay as the folks that came the very end of the day. So it goes against everything we understand about economics, about fairness, about you know, uh, proper compensation, all that kind of thing. But Jesus is essentially saying this is how the kingdom of God is. You don't earn any of this through your efforts, the time you put in, or how good of a job you do. It's sheer grace. And you get God's riches at Christ's expense. We get salvation. We get to know the living God. 
get to be part of a church. We have hope for our future. And we get overwhelming joy. We get all these things for nothing that we've done, but for what Jesus has done. It goes way beyond the concept that we often refer to as karma. You know, kind of, that often referred in other religions, you get what you deserve kind of thing. The Christmas story is such a, a proclamation that uh, there's a new way to relate to God, not based on what we've done, but what he's done. We get to take comfort and joy in knowing the verdict in our life. Because accepting Jesus as, as our Savior is enough. We get to know that verdict now. Whereas in other religions, it kind of is a theme of it kind of got to get all your acts in order, you kind of got a bit of a scale thing going on, you know, all that adds up, and that kind of thing. And, you know, at the time of, I wonder at the time of, uh, you know, hearing the parable from Jesus, I would imagine that many people of a day would have seen God as the type, you know, striking a hard bargain. You know, if things were going bad in your life, it was because... God wasn't pleased with you. Then if things were going good in your life, because uh, you were blessed by God. And so Jesus is telling us in that parable, saying, no, 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 that's not how God works. It's based upon grace. And they weren't prepared for a God who didn't demand perfection and righteousness at all times. I think even for some of us who follow God for a long time, kind of seeps into our lives, you know, to operate in this way. You know, thinking, oh, it's a good thing God's got me on his team, you know. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm giving this, and I'm helping with that. I'm kind of, kind of add up our works a little bit, and you know, these things are good, don't get me wrong. I, I think they're, they're really important. But I think, we, I think we need to be reminded at Christmas that we do these things in response to salvation. In response to the salvation that he's given us. Because <clears throat> I think, um, you know, we do, we do good acts and, and, and all that things, and uh, Christians are being good and living a certain way. It has nothing to do with earning salvation. It, people can do the exact same thing for completely different reasons. Uh, there's lots of good people out there. I, I, I work with uh, many social workers who, who pour their hearts into serving families and children, and they're doing really great things, and they're really uh, doing very important work. But I think um, it's not... To earn God's favor by doing these things as Christians, it's a response to God's favor. So when this idea of salvation by grace through our faith in Christ lands in our life, the result is joy. Everlasting joy inside of us. And it's not based what I've done, it's based what he's done. And I really believe joy is a real mindset that we have to have. We have to choose it and remember just how blessed we really are. 
Now, what do we do with this joy during this season? And I, I think I want to share a story that I think captures this really nicely. There's a monastery in a small village up in the mountains somewhere. One day, a rich man approached the monastery gates. He's knocking on the gates. He's got a bunch of grapes. And he hands them to the monk there. And the rich man said this gift was his way of giving thanks. Because the monastery was always there for him when he needed help. And now that he's come across good fortune, he wanted to give back. So and after the rich man left, the, the monk contemplated, what, what, what do I do with these? At first he thought about eating them. He likes grapes. They're great. But he, he thought better. He thought, you know, I'm going to give it to the, the, the head of the monastery. Because it was him who taught him about kindness. The head of the monastery, he liked grapes too. But then he thought there's someone more deserving of this gift. There was a sick monk. And, sh- and surely the head monk thought these grapes would bring joy for him. He's been through a lot. And then the sick monk was given the grapes. And he was really thankful for them too. But he thought, you know what, the cook... He prepared meals throughout this time, and I, I think he would appreciate them more. It was now the cook's turn to admire the grapes, and he couldn't bear to eat them. So he, he wanted the monastery's landscaper, who tended to the churchyard and the garden every day. He wanted him to have the grapes as a sign of the appreciation that he had for everything he's done. The landscaper, too, was happy with them as well, but then he gave them to his apprentice, so he could appreciate the beauty of God's creation. The apprentice was honored by this gesture. However, he recalled it was the monk who opened the gates, who first welcomed him in in with open arms. And so he gifted them to him. And so... The monk who, and he didn't realize that he had him to begin with, and, and the monk who found, he found this quite amusing. He thought maybe they were destined to be his. Then he also realized if he started giving joy, not only is bound to come back to you, but it just kind of totally spreads amongst everyone. I believe that joy acts as an antidote to anger and despair. And I believe that when we treat others well and be positive sources of joy in our workplaces, our homes, our church, it's something that's been heavy on my heart in the last number of months and years, really. So Vicky led us in a series, uh, you know, figuring us out. It had me reflect on uh, how it's been a, t- a long couple years, and uh, there's times where I got even my, in my own head and completely lost that sense of joy. It didn't feel great, and I still catch myself all the time feeling this way, and it's so important that we catch ourselves. And then when I think of our church, I, you know, and think of, like, think of moving forward, how I'd love for it to be is just to be a source of joy for one another, and for our community as well. So whatever the source of frustration and 
stressors have been for you in the last couple of years or even today. Maybe it's your workplace. It's been brutal at many workplaces. Maybe it's uh, your family and you're dreading to get together over the holidays. A lot of my in-laws are here, and I just want to say I love you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to spending lots of time with you over the holidays, okay? So just want to be really clear on that. And then, uh, you know, I think it's just uh, maybe it's within yourself, you know, and just struggling with your own faith and trying to make sense of things. Just try, take time to remember the beauty in the Christmas story has brought Jesus into our lives. And making sure that joy is inside of us as believers and that it comes out this season especially. And this joy that we have, not because of what we've done, but what he has done. And I just encourage you all to bring it out in whatever way it looks for you. Um, I want to thank you so much for your time and attention. I know... Um, this message may seem like a simple message, but I felt like it was just on my heart. It was a timely one. And so, uh, so yeah. So and, and once again, I recognize I'm not a, a pastor or just throwing up loads of verses up there. So I just wanted to mention that. Like, I know this is a simple message, but it's such an important one. So thank you. Now let's pray, and then we'll, we'll end our time. Heavenly Father, as we take time to reflect on a Christmas story, we're overwhelmed by your promises you've given us. Promises of, you know, not to fear, the promise of peace, the promise that you know that we're going through. And promise of joy that we have in receiving salvation. And through your promises, we know that we're forgiven. And uh, I just ask that you help everyone here know and experience the joy that comes from having a relationship with you. And Father, I just pray for everyone as they go out this week, wherever they are, in their neighborhoods, their communities, workplaces, and so on, they can just uh, be beacons of joy and positivity and just that's a great way to make a difference in our world. And bless everyone here as they uh, go about their week and, and whatever's going on in their minds and their hearts that you're with them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So that's all for today. Um, I thank you so much. Have a fantastic week. Uh, stay around, have a cup of coffee, and take care.